Hello and welcome back to our crisis management podcast series. This week we are talking to Randy Schettinger. He's CEO of uh, Schettinger Funeral and Cremation Service, uh, which is the the region's largest funeral home chain and also uh, a sixth generation business and has, has not uh, been uh, immune from the impact of COVID-19, primarily because of the ban on large gatherings, means they're not doing very many services these days, and all of the related services that come with that have really impacted their uh, revenue. So Randy uh, said that they had about a 25% cut in revenue in the business. Uh, they have gotten a paycheck protection program loan, which is helping, uh, so they have not had to lay off any of their full-time employees but we do talk about that, the PPP program, the communications that they've had with their employees and other subjects. So please enjoy. All right, Randy, thank you for joining us. I'm here today with uh, Randy Schettinger, CEO of Schettinger Funeral and Cremation Service. Randy, I see you're at the office today. Um, So obviously you are an essential business. So all of your locations are open, I take it? They are. They are. Obviously, business is a little bit different now in terms of the size and scope of the services we can offer, but all of our facilities are open. How many facilities is that again? Uh, we have 15 facilities. 15. Okay. I guess as a, as a general uh, opener, then uh, how has this whole shutdown uh, affected your business? Uh, pretty dramatically. So, you know, when it first happened, there was three things that were crossing my mind. And first was the safety of the employees for their own well-being, but also for the fact that if, if we had the virus hit at a high level in Columbus, Ohio, and hit our company at a high level, and then also being an essential uh, workplace, we could conceivably be looking at you know, 30 or 40% of our, of our workforce out sick, and we still having to serve people that have had a loss. Add to that, if we would have had anything that happened like in New York or some other of the cities and you have a 30% of your staff getting sick, but also you're serving twice as many families, we were really worried about what that might look like. So on those fronts, luckily, we have had four individuals go into quarantine. We have not had anyone tested, but we believe half of those, two of those actually had it. Okay. And uh, got pretty ill, but are fine and healthy. As all of your readers know, uh, Columbus and I think the leadership of Ohio did a phenomenal job, and we just did not see the spike. At least we haven't at this point, fingers crossed. So we did not really see any, any I mean, serve, certainly we served families that had a loss to COVID, but nothing like you've seen in other things or on the news just has not been, been that way for us. So, and people always say, wow, the funeral business, you know, you, you're we don't hope for that, obviously. We never want that. But we were prepared. We were braced that if we would see a, a, a real increase in, our, in the needs of our services. So what really did happen to our business is we saw about a 25% reduction in revenue. So people think, well, people are still passing and they need your services. Uh, what, what they sometimes forget is taking care of the body is one part of funeral and cremation service. But the larger part of what we do is creating these events, these healing experiences. And so all of a sudden our facilities aren't getting rented, our vehicles aren't getting rented, people aren't purchasing printed goods, we're not having food and catered events, we're not having a video production, well actually we're still doing some of that, people aren't buying our printed goods, or fly. all the things that go around creating a special event weren't happening because we were just either burying the body quickly or cremating the body. We still have services, 
Um, we have them for 10 people or less. We've done a lot of webcasting. So all of our facilities are equipped with webcasting technology. Um, there was a nice piece done about it by uh, WBNS. Friends of mine, actually, we had uh, seven people come in for the service at our downtown location. And we, we had a full service and webcasted all over the country and they got lots of positive feedback. But that's the main thing that happened to our business is complete drop in revenue uh, or 25% drop in revenue. And we did not have to lay anybody off because we also needed them. We stopped calling in our part-time folks because our part-time folks in our organization are mostly senior citizens. Mostly, I say. They are, they are our, our extra staff when we're having services. So coupled with the fact that we weren't having services and the fact that they were at a high, most of them at a high risk population, we made the decision not to, to call them in. We did apply for the PPP uh, program. Our application was approved and funded last week. So that's been really, really good and positive for us. How much did you get? Uh, I'd rather not say that. And what are you able to use it for? So, so we, we got 2.5 times our monthly payroll. So okay. that's what everybody was, was the, the guidelines to apply were 2.5 times monthly payroll. There's two components to the program. What you can apply for and get approved is strictly based on 2.5 times monthly payroll. It's a 1% loan for two years, but there's a forgivable portion. And right. the forgivable portion is there are, are informing us that the rules uh, and what we see that eight weeks of payroll from the time you get funding, plus mortgage interest, rent, and utilities. And so we're tracking that all right now. So our hope is that a, a great amount of it will be forgivable. And based on, on payroll, that includes the part-timers? Or, or it will. Just- so, so it depends on a lot. And then there's a credit back and a charge back based upon what your employee count is on June 30th as compared to prior. We anticipate by June 30th that our part-time folks will all be back and engaged and working, but we don't know. Okay, so that will okay, so that will ultimately determine the forgivability of of, of it. Not all of it, but a part of it. A part of it. Okay. And who was your uh, who was your bank? Uh, Heartland Bank. Oh, okay. And and I would like to give a shout out that Heartland Bank did a phenomenal job. A just a just a, a bang up job. We had a little challenge with another institution and no hard feelings there. It was an unusual time, right? I mean, the SBA put this program out, this $350 billion program with, right. and then said the banks figure it out. As you know, the funds have dried up and now Congress is fighting on, on getting more funding. And I heard today that it, it may, may have happened. So we were able to call Car- Heartland Thursday night and by Friday night we had approval. Yeah, I mean, that just kind of goes contrary to what we have been hearing from a lot of people that it was kind of a difficult process. So our, our first bank, we put the application, we, we started talking to them the Friday before. They were working through the weekend and we were anticipating getting our application in Monday or Tuesday. By Wednesday, it still hadn't happened. By Thursday, we communicated and they communicated with us and we mutually decided that it might be best if we go to another institution. And it wasn't because we weren't going to, it was just that organization was having trouble navigating this unusual time. And so we went with Heartland Thursday night and Friday night we had fun, approved, we had approval and we had funding early last week. It was interesting as you looked at this. So here's, here's my, my take on this. From what I know, and you guys are, you know, a business newspaper, it seemed like the larger banks had a certain strategy with it. And, and Heartland, why not a super small bank, isn't one of the mega banks. Sure. And, and so those that kind of 
manhandled or or just um, you know manually did things and pushed it through and worked uh, you know unbelievable hours and had all people on they were able to get things done some of the larger institutions tried to really focus on technology so some of them said hey listen this is going to this isn't just a process to get approval and funding it's also a process throughout to track things and get forgiveness and so I think some of those larger institutions, like I, I heard that, um, was it Wells Fargo or Bank Fargo of America? was the big one, yeah. Yeah, they crashed like the first day yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. And I heard Bank of America cut it off at one point. They were having trouble. And of course, Huntington Bank here is, is um, well, I think, the largest SBA lender in the United States. Yes, they are, yeah. So like, uh, I think Huntington, from what I, what I know, is you know, they kind of were the first on to manually get these applications in, but then they've maybe had some trouble funding. I'm not sure, like getting that done. Right. And uh, I know Fifth Third did a lot of technology up front. So they all have different strategies because it was all up to them to make those strategies work. And, and you know, all of us business owners were just, I was talking to all these business folks, owners around, and everyone was urgent about, did you get yours in? Did you get yours in? Because people thought the well would dry up. Yeah. And it did. It went pretty fast. Now, the, you know, the Fed came out quickly and said that, that they're going to make sure they, they re, re, replenish the pot. But, but it's kind of a scary point. One thing I also heard was that it, it helped if you had a, a previous banking relationship. So it, was Heartland one of your banks before? We had two banks, Heartland and another one. You are correct that almost, it was interesting because all the banks, I think all the banks came out quickly and said you had to have an existing relationship. Right, yeah. And, and it's interesting because some could have looked at it as a, wow, I can gain customers, right? Yeah. If I open this up to everybody, but, but they really wanted to worry about keeping their own customers. They did the right thing. I have no hard feelings to any of the banks because they were all working unbelievably hard. I've heard that. Was, yeah. I mean, through the, I mean, call Saturday night, Sunday night. They had funeral director hours for once. It was kind of interesting, <laughs> right? Instead of the classic bankers hours. Yeah, right. Obviously, you know, we're talking on a day that the the Congress looks to be passing another round of of assistance. So. Your PPP, uh, again, you didn't want to say the amount, but it, it's going to carry you through. I mean, do you have projections for how long, you know, you potentially need to go back? Yeah, we, we had projections based upon our revenue that uh, our revenue dropped that we would run out of cash at the, I think it was the middle of June mm. prior to the PPP. Okay. So PPP, we are, we are very optimistic that we'll have no problem getting through this. And we're not a restaurant, right? We still have revenue coming in. And, and yeah. um, it, but we saw a drop, but not like some other companies, retail and things like that. So, but we're working hard. I, I mean, our folks are working, and and uh, so we we are optimistic we'll get through. And and if we reopen business here, uh, the, the you know the state um, in May, like I think most people are are predicting to some extent, mm -hmm. we can start having services. I think we'll be in really good shape. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, I mean, I believe you said a 25% uh, drop in revenue through the yeah. first uh, month or month and a half of this, which, I mean, it's just a crazy dramatic drop that you would never, ever expect. But uh, you somewhat, I mean, compared to some of the other service related businesses, uh, you're in better shape than they were. But what are your expectations, even if we, or when, let's say when we start opening back up that, I mean, are you anticipating getting back to 100% where you were, or do you think it's going to be kind of a long-term thing? Well, it's a great question. So we had mo most of the folks right. that had a loss during this time that chose not to have a service said, we'll have a service at a later date. Okay. Now, if all of those people come back 
or the significant majority of them come back yeah. and use us for those services at a later date, we should be okay. Our fear is that a couple months go by, do people really want to have a service? Yeah. And, and then how did this 60, 90 days, whatever it ends up being, hopefully less, did it change any fundamental behavior? You know, that's what I think a lot of people are, are concerned about. Like, so sports, for instance. Yeah. Um, I, I've had a lot of debates with friends that, okay, when sports comes back on, is it going to be this, this, wow, I need to get there because I've just pent up demand for it? Right. Or is it going to be people saying, you know, spending my Saturday watching college football before I had so much, now I, I was with the family. Maybe, maybe it's not that important. I don't need to go to that game or I don't need to do that. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And from our perspective, you know, do people get back into believing that, that it's important to gather and remember and celebrate, which we believe 100% will happen? Okay. Will it be a slow thing? Will people be, you know, are people going to be going to churches right away? Are they going to be going to crowded events? I, I think there's a problem. Will you go to the, when the restaurant's open? Will you go right away and, and stand at the bar neck, you know, shoulder to shoulder with people? I, yeah. I don't know, but I got to think it's going to be a little bit of a, of a, of a curve to get back there. That's, that's what my, my feeling is as well that, uh, you know, again, I'm certainly middle-aged, but I'm healthy and, and it's, it, it worries me to, to think about going, you know, immediately jumping back into crowds. And right. in, in your business, you mentioned that, you know, it's a, it's a, you're building an experience, right? But if I, I, I would assume that a lot of your, uh, the, the people who come to your services are going to be older uh, a lot of the time and, and they, very well may be very, very concerned for a long time about, about gathering with people. It'll be interesting to see if, if of our part-time folks, which are about a hundred part, we have about a hundred full-time and a hundred part-time around. Okay. The and we call our part-time folks ambassadors and they are just the, the greatest folks. I mean, most of them are not doing it for the money. Okay. They are doing it because it, it they're, like I said, they're senior citizens. It gets them out of the house. And they're, they're usually involved in a community that they live in. So they know people at the door. They're, you know, they're doing greeting roles for us. They're, they're doing a, you know, roles such as that. Well, they choose not to come back, some of them. You know, if they're 75 and say, yeah. well, I don't need to come back and do that. Or will they say, you got to deal with it. I'm sure all the businesses are doing this. And maybe personally, you know, as we look at this, you know, we're convinced that back in January, you know, we had uh, an employee that had it. She was miserable for off and on for a few weeks and went to the emergency room a couple of times and, you know, right. just couldn't bucket it within my family. We're convinced uh, a few people had it, you know, so the, the question as we get through this is how long and was it really around, you know, yeah. you're hearing all these things that it was around. And so I think the big key will be how soon we get back to a norm is when we start to figure out how many people have actually had it. And that will be a big question as testing and stuff comes up. And again, you said you, you have not had to lay off any of your full-time employees. What, what about, what are you saying to them? Uh, like, what is the messaging that you're, that you're telling your staff? I shouldn't say that. We did eliminate one position. So the message to our staff was, like all companies, this forced us to really ramp up remote technology, right. which is the other big thing about businesses. Is, you know, our business can't really be that way, but I'm sure you're talking to businesses about, does this change the demand for office space? Yeah, because it, yeah. the companies all of a sudden realize, well, we can work from home. We all got forced to try it. I think that, uh, oh, what was the question? The message to your staff about, oh. about the, you know, the future of their jobs and whether you're going to have layoffs or furloughs or, you know. I mean, so we, 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 uh, we, I started communicating with a regular video message. Okay. And, and, and I like video versus typing an email. I'm a big believer in email fatigue. 
and so communicating where you get the emotion, you get the hand movements, you get the body language, yep. um, I think is a big thing. And so those were well received. And we basically right away said, okay, we are not going to call in our part-time folks. We reached out to them, uh, let them know we would assist them with, if they wanted unemployment and things. And said at this point, though, that they, we are not doing anything to full-time people. And then we said, and we promise you we won't do anything for the next two weeks because we're going to see how this goes. And then, and then we said, but this is going to be tough times. It may, it may require sacrifice. We're going to do everything we can to keep our full-time folks on. And then after two weeks, we were saying, hey, we're going to go another two weeks. We also are very optimistic about what we're hearing from the SBA program. So we didn't have to cut. No, we had a list. We had a list. Was it a, was it a 10% pay cut? Was, right. it, was it certain people took a 20%? Like all the companies. Were we going to cut out the 401K? What were we going to do? Was it, and we had all those lists kind of itemized. And really the only thing we had to hit on our list at this point was we didn't call in part-time folks. Okay. So no, you haven't had to do any kind of staff pay reductions or, or no. any of those other moves. And it was really hard to think about that because our folks were working really hard too. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But, but again, you, you communicated to the staff that these were all possibilities. And, and not, in, not in detail in some. We just said there may be sacrifice. We didn't want to go into the list and give, and give false, you know, false alarms and all that. But we wanted to set it clear that this is a tough time. We're in it together. We're going to communicate. We're going to be transparent. We're going to be honest with you, as we always are. Yeah. And, and it was well received. The people, our, our team just you know, jumped up, understood it, and has been great through all of this. And you've been transparent with them about the revenue uh, yes. losses and, yep. and the, the kind of the business metric. Because uh, we've been talking regularly on them. We have a morning call as well that, okay, how can we – give ideas and offer things that families will find value in when they're not having yeah, uh, right. public services. And so one of the things we came up with is if they have a service now, a, a paid service, we will give them a complimentary service at a later date. Oh, okay. Uh, so they could have a small family today, have a public later. Right. We also came up with new printed ideas. So for instance, you know, when you come to services, typically you have handouts, memory folders, memory yeah. cards, mm -hmm. those kind of things. And what we did is we created a way for a family to send out a hundred cards with a self, with a self-addressed envelope back to them. So they could gather comments and memories from people that couldn't come to the service. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so we, we were trying to make it easy for them to do those things and with some success and some not success. I'm sure a lot of businesses, I see the, the people going to carry out all the time, trying to support their local businesses. The families we serve were so understanding too. I mean, they, they were, they were making funeral arrangements like you and I are right now with Zoom and doing things like that and, and trying to do things. And, and we're not a, we're a face-to-face -face business. We're a feeling business. We're, we, yeah. we, need to, we need to be together for three hours to connect and design and, and build trust and do those things. Yeah. Very hard to do it this way, although I know you and trust you. Very hard to do it on this type of thing. One other question about staffing. You mentioned earlier that in, in Ohio is not, I mean, we're hoping that we're past the worst point, but there is still the possibility that, that we have a New York kind of a, of a situation if, if things don't go well. I mean, how, how are you, are, are you prepared if we have a surge in, in deaths? You know, talking to our counterparts in New York, uh, I mean, it has been terrible. It has been hard. We sent them some PPE equipment uh, recently, they were asking for other funeral homes. We are very low on. I mean, we are an essential and Homeland. I think it's Homeland has classified us as as uh, deserving or FEMA of, of getting equipment, but I think rightfully so. We're the last on the totem pole. Not that our 
profession isn't important, but saving lives right now is what's important. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have, we have been, you know, limited mass, limited everything. And uh, so if something like New York happened, we would be struggling, no doubt about it. But we, we have enough staff to handle it, assuming everybody doesn't get sick. We have enough facilities. And it just depends. I think each community handles it. The good thing about us versus New York, if it does happen, it's a month or so later than New York, right? So we have a lot more experience and the country has a lot more, you know, they're stockpiling more things now. They're, they're producing things. And so it just hit New York so fast that they were, that was tough, mm. tough to watch, tough to hear about. Your business has been around long enough. Uh, are there any stories about the, like the 1918 flu that? Uh... <laughs> I haven't heard them. Um, oh, okay. uh, no, I haven't heard them. I did. I did hear a friend of mine in Fort Collins, Colorado. His grandfather was a funeral director during the, 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 the 1918 pandemic out in Colorado. And, he, and, the, and the Fort Collins Historical Society had recorded an interview from him oh, about wow. that time. So he sent it to all of us. And it was really, I mean, it was really amazing to hear what they were going through. It was unbelievable. Anything else that, uh, that, that people like, might not understand the, the, the impact of, of all of this on your business? Uh... Uh, I think the biggest impact is just is just the, that our, our you know when someone loses somebody, there's an innate need to have to begin that healing uh, yeah. gather. Human beings want to support. I always tell people that when someone in my inner circle passes, there's some uh, connection. My phone blows up, and it blows up because people are calling right away saying, "Hey, one of the services for Joe." Uh, I, I don't want to miss it. And, and they do that because they want to be there for people. And the social distancing can't do it. I think not only the families that have the loss, not receiving it, but the people that want to give it are yeah. having trouble. And so it's been a hard emotional time, but, our, but I think that people understand it. Uh, they've been going, they've, they've worked through it and we're doing the best we can with creative ideas to make that moment still happen. And we're just looking forward to being back at a time when, when everyone could be around each other for good times, bad times, but help out when needed. And, and we, look, we think that time's coming soon. Thank you again for your time and, and good luck uh, going forward. We'll check back in with you uh, after a few weeks to see, uh, see how things are going. Great. Thanks, Doug. Be safe. Yeah.